Hello and welcome to Holistic Health Chats, a podcast where we chat about all things holistic women's health and everything in between. I'm your host, Selene Douglas, a women's health nutritionist with a focus on helping women to heal holistically and live pain and symptom free. I'm so happy that you've made your way here. Tune in every week so we can listen, learn and be inspired together. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This episode, we are chatting all things gut testing. Our podcast guest this week is none other than Sheridan Decker. This is Sheridan's second time on the podcast. So if you haven't heard her first episode, it was one of the very first ones we did. I highly recommend going back to have a listen to that. This week, we are covering gut testing, how to know when it's time to bite the bullet and invest in your poo and what type of testing might be best for you. At Salon Douglas Nutrition, our most commonly used test currently is the Nutripath GI Map Test. I have included the link to the testing information in the show notes for anyone that wants to geek out and find out more about this test. You can even click through and download a sample report to get an understanding of the kind of information that we get back from a test like this. We find these tests so useful and they help to provide us with information that informs the next steps and therefore helps our clients to achieve the best possible results. Without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. If you are currently wanting to get personalized advice to support you with your nutrition and hormones, the best place to start is for you to book in a complimentary consultation. In this 15-minute consultation, we will discuss your current health goals, what you can expect from consultations, and we cover any questions that you may have. If you're happy to go ahead, we book in a time for your initial consultation, but equally, if you need a little time to think about it, that is perfectly okay too. To book in a complimentary consultation, simply head over to selendouglas.com forward slash links and navigate to the book section. Alternatively, you will also find the booking link in the show notes on this episode. We hope to meet you very soon. Hi, Sheridan. Welcome back to the show. Pleasure. I feel like it's been a while. Actually, it has been a while. That first podcast we did together was probably months it was probably now. a year ago, I think. Oh, yeah, because it would have been at the start of both of our podcasts we had each other on, I think. Yeah, yeah, so a very long time ago. So it's nice to have you back, nice to see a familiar face. Yes, yes. So tell us a little bit about, I guess, what you've been up to and what's been going on because I know you've had a new program that you've launched since we had you on the first time. So I'd love if you could tell us a little bit about that program. Yeah, so for those who haven't heard of a podcast before, I'm Sheridan Decker and my sort of specialties in the gut health realm um, touch a little bit on hormones but really focus in on the IBS, the bloating, the constipation, that real sluggish feeling that a lot of women get as well as really the fatigue aspect as well and why we're so tired all the time and often I see a lot of women are under eating because A, they're worried about putting on weight and B, they've got gut issues and when you're bloated and you've feel lethargic the last thing you really want to do is is go and eat a big meal so I've created a short program uh, for women to go through sort of a self-paced program to go through and just work through some of those foundations of gut health um, but also to start to understand 
triggers and tracking. And I know there's a lot of hype around the food we eat is causing our gut issues and all that stuff. And I I really want to debunk that and go, yes, it plays a role. And yes, if you remove some of those triggers, you're definitely going to feel better, but really a lot of it is dysbiosis within the gut as well, or stress or these sort of other external components, because primarily I'm seeing quote unquote healthy women who are doing all the things and doing the right stuff and still struggling with a lot of gut issues. So the program works to help women step through that and kind of go, okay, these are the changes I need to make. This is how I do it. If you've made a lot of those changes and you still got these constant sort of issues, then we go, okay, well, what, what else could be going on and what's the root cause for this dysbiosis or for these symptoms you're experiencing. And that's when I work uh, one-on-one with women in the root cause program where we jump into stool testing and SIBO breath testing. So bacterial overgrowth breath testing to really understand sort of those, those root causes as to why you've got these ongoing issues, despite being a healthy female. Yeah. I think that's so important to differentiate between those sort of two portions of the clients that we might be seeing, whether it's people who are yet to really like make any changes to their diet and lifestyle or understanding like Mm -hmm. the basics of food additives or um, those foundations that we need versus people who have tried everything and the, you know, the pulling out of foods, the foods aren't the issue really. It's like that that's a symptom of what is going on. It's not the issue. I, you know, always get, I think the biggest red flag is people that are reacting to really benign, healthy foods. Um, Mm. as opposed to when you might see someone's diet and you can kind of tell that it might be littered with all sorts of additives (laughs) and all sorts of really funny things. And you're going like, Oh, well, I'd be curious to see how you felt if we removed some of those things first. Yeah. And it's that perception, right? So someone perceives that they're doing the healthy thing and they're grabbing the gluten-free bread without realizing that say it's got soy protein Mm -hmm. in it. And soy is one of the biggest aggravators of gut symptoms that I see. People are like, oh, well, I tried, like I tried to remove gluten and it didn't work for me. And I'm like, okay, but tell me, what does that actually look like? Mm -hmm. Like for you removing gluten, did, did that, did that not work? Because for me, I look at it from what I call a FODMAPS perspective. So foods that are, you know, quite fermentable carbohydrates and go, well, actually gluten isn't always the issue there. Like if you're having Mm. a little bit of white sourdough, you can probably handle it as opposed to a gluten-free bread that might have a bunch of things that are really going to aggravate your gut. So it's that education and awareness around it as opposed to just going blanket, I'll remove that and that's not working for me. Yeah, definitely. I always, I always retell this story because it was such a like good, I guess, eye-opening moment for me as a practitioner. But I had a client last year who came to see me and she was like, I want to do stool testing. I know there's something wrong with my gut. Prescribe me the stool test. And we went through her diet and she was actually getting those like pre-ordered sort of meals. You know how you can get those like, oh, um, yes. Yeah. Like you can order like packet meals that are yeah. basically get delivered to your house and it's super convenient. It saves you all this time and all of yeah. this sort of thing. And anyway, she was eating those. She was having a smoothie in the morning, which she was making, but like breakfast, a lunch and dinner, pardon me, wore those meals every single day. Um, mm. 
And I said, look, just humor me because I went and looked up this company online and I was like, oh, there's lots of really weird things in there that are not food. And um, I said, just humor me. I know you hate cooking, but please, here's a list of really easy recipes to make. Do this for two or three weeks and then come back to me. If you still have symptoms, I promise we'll, I'll order you the test. And yeah, she came back and was like, I, I don't have any symptoms anymore. Like my bloating's gone. I don't experience my quote unquote IBS anymore. Um, And so that's that classic example of that being someone who just needed to make those really foundational changes and have an understanding of what they're actually eating. Um, So I guess that's a good segue. If you could talk to us about, um, you know, someone's obviously experiencing symptoms, knows they need to do something about their gut, but maybe hasn't looked into what those foundational changes are. Could you walk us through um, what things you'd want to see in place with the client first before you'd sort of look at recommending further testing? Yeah, because it it does become a tricky area because you're right, some people are like just want to do the testing because in a sense it's like this is an easy approach out. Imagine if I have five parasites in my gut and that's why I'm bloated every day. It's not the fact that I'm skipping breakfast, having coffee and a muffin and then feeling crappy and then getting loose stools and I'm doing that every day or I'm having coffees on empty stomachs every day, which is giving me the loose stools or I'm eating, you know, what I would say quite a high FODMAP meal every day with lots of garlic and onions and beans because I'm vegan and I want to avoid the meat and And I'm like, cool, but do you know how hard that is for your body to break down, Mm. you know, in a sense, as opposed to something that's maybe just a few simple roast veggies with a little bit of chicken or a little bit of eggs or something on the side, which I go, that's actually easier to digest than this um, big legume dense meal. So when you sort of start to unpack that and go, okay, these might actually be some of those triggers as opposed to go, well, I can just take this antibiotic, kill these bugs off and happy days off I go again it's it's not that simple so when you first sort of pull apart the diet I'm always just like are are you eating regularly are you eating enough and are you eating regularly sort of at consistent intervals and where is your coffee in that because Mm. so many people don't realize the impact of coffee and I still notice it now if I have a couple coffees too close together or not enough food it will affect my bowel habits in a sense Mm. or it'll affect my mood or affect my energy or it will just spike you up and down like no one's immune to that no matter how much you think you can handle bloody caffeine it will impact you on some element um so there's sort of those sides of things and looking at that eating routine and those eating habits and then yeah what what are you eating is it processed foods and how many additives and things are in that for example but then i am also looking at higher FODMAP foods. And I've got some podcast episodes on this. So I won't jump into it today, but basically you can Google FODMAPs and you'll understand what I'm saying, but they're just quite fermentable foods that aren't bad, but they're hard to break down like legumes, like garlic, like onion, like gluten and lactose and dairy. That's some of your your big ones. So if someone's eating a high number of those, I'd go, Hey, maybe let's just reduce them a little bit and take a little bit of that load off the gut because it seems like you've got a slight you know, um, digestive issue in a sense, and it could be compromising that. So it's not a long-term approach at all. It just takes that load off. And if someone significantly, their symptoms significantly reduced from that, you can go, well, 
there's going to be an undergrowth of some bacteria and probably an overgrowth of some bacteria. So as a practitioner, it gives you immediate insight that there's dysbiosis, but in some people it won't make a difference at all because their actual eating habits are are quite bad or they've got other stuff going on. So you can kind of play around with that. And the biggest free resource I tell people is to download, or sorry, it's not free, it's about $10, download the Monash University app, um, which actually gives you a really, really good diary and symptom tracker in there for bowel movements, for food, um, for those kinds of things. So you can just track and go, oh, actually I had three coffees yesterday and I'd lose stools all day. Mm. Ah, okay. That's going to start to give me some answers or I ate a heap of bread or I had a heap of chili or I ate a bunch of stone fruit and I never eat stone fruit and I got a heap of stomach cramps. So it's about being aware of your body and periods are exactly the same. Like in a sense, like I use the Kindara app for tracking my period, but then I track all my symptoms in there. If I'm constipated, if I'm bloated, if I have loose stools. So the other side of things is those hormonal shifts. Like some women are only getting constipated around ovulations. So it's listening to your body. And I think trying to get women to do that and be more in tune can actually be quite hard. Like, because we're so busy and people like who's got the time. And I'm like, well, I just lie there in bed for five minutes every night and just track my symptoms in for me. It's second nature. And I want to know, I want to know if I'm going to break out. I want to know if my constipation that day was just because I've been stressed and I've got high estrogen as opposed to, Hey, there's something wrong with my gut right now. Like I've eaten eaten something that's really upset it. So those things I think are important, the tracking, the looking at your caffeine intake, the looking at how much you're eating, because if you're under eating and you're not eating enough fiber as well, yeah, you're probably going to get constipated. So it's, it's that side of things as well, that it's not always a really deep issue. And, you know, my, favorite clients almost are those ones where I can go, Hey, you know what? Make these changes over the next four weeks. They make them, they come back and they're like, I feel amazing. I've got so much more energy and I'm not bloated. My bowel movements are great. And then maybe only changed a couple of things and you're like, epic, you know, whereas those women on the other hand, who were like exactly like I was, who was exercising regularly, drinking enough water, looking at caffeine intake, eating a healthy diet, so fruits, veggies, whole foods for, you know, better use of it, eating those foods and still having chronic constipation, like one bowel movement a week, severe bloating, Mm. severe fatigue, skin issues, period issues. Then I go, well, there is there is definitely something else going on and you need to look into testing because you're doing the things. So I had a young mum the other day, um, she was pregnant, but she was the healthiest person I know, like everything from scratch, so much bone broth, like homemade, <laughs> homemade we love everything, that. you know, like I was just like, you're, you're an incredible mum and you, you know, your baby's going to be super happy, but really, really bad bloating, really severe stomach pain, really severe constipation. And this was before pregnancy as well. It wasn't just a pregnancy-induced thing. And she had really like the highest number of SIBO I have ever ever seen. It was completely off the chart. Like her, her small intestinal bacterial overgrowth was insane. And you kind of go, 
why and how like she's doing Mm. all the things and like I said like everything's organic and well cooked there's never any preservatives but this like could go a week yeah without a bowel movement and just the pain she'd be crippled over for a day or two and it's horrible like it's not nice yeah constipation is debilitating that side note too much information but we're all nutritionists and so we talk about poos um but that is unfortunately like obviously this client of yours was completely different but that is just one of the beautiful symptoms that you get sometimes during pregnancy because you get all this surge of progesterone and progesterone is a muscle relaxant and is a smooth muscle relaxant and your digestive system is basically all smooth muscle. And so it does oh, slow no. down those things. Um, but I've definitely found that there's lots of, you know, as practitioners, we have lots of tricks and things that yeah. we can yes. use to help those things. But for anyone listening that might be pregnant, um, preg- um, constipation is unfortunately one of those annoying symptoms, but there's lots of things that we can do, whether that's some PHGG or some digestive enzymes or something like that. Something um, simple. Yes. Um, so basically you've identified like, you know, if you are, if this is really new to you and you're like, I just eat everything. I think like you said, doing that food tracking is often really eye-opening for people. So mm-hmm. I always ask people if I've identified there is digestive symptoms in my intake I always ask them like do you know what foods are contributing to that or do you have any idea after what sort of meals you might be experiencing that and then I usually will get them to go away and do some kind of food diary um, Mm. because it's usually a really great learning experience for people and sometimes they'll come back and go I have no idea I seem to get symptoms after everything I eat which is again kind of like that red, more of a red flag of going, okay, well, there's obviously something underlying here versus they might come back to you and go, yeah, it's specifically after I have X, Y, Z that I notice I get symptoms. Yeah. One of the big ones I hear is because I like people come to me generally when they've got gut issues is the waking up bloated or Mm. just having a glass of water and being severely bloated. They are huge red flags. If that's you and you're looking pregnant and you're not pregnant and you may not have eaten or you feel like it even gets worse if you don't eat. So there's nothing going in. They like definitely please go see someone like and get some breath testing done because that's, that's massive. Yeah, absolutely. What sorts of, I guess that's a good segue, like kinds of testing um, are available. And the other question I have, and sort of um, this is, I could break this out into another question, but um, (laughs) how does this differentiate like the testing that you or I might prescribe? How is it different to say the PCR testing or the testing you could get done through your GP? Because I know that's often a really common conversation in clinic is Mm. um, sort of, how different it is and what different information we get from testing. Yeah, it's really hard because people do come to you and they go, oh, I've done stool testing and my first question is how much did you spend on it? And they're like, oh, it was free through the GP. And I'm like, cool, okay, this is going to cost you probably about $400 to get started in a sense, depending maybe $500 if you want to do a breath test as well, which is going to look at small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. That's another couple hundred dollars. So it's actually straight up. I'm like, okay, where where have you been? So the PCR testing gets through your GP generally looks for about um, three or four parasites and a couple of different bacterial overgrowth. So it'll, it's a really good tool as a, like, if you have chronic diarrhea, like 
Mm. all day every day and I know women who are like that you go to your GP and you'll get a test and you'll get a turnaround within a couple of days and you've probably got a parasite or some you know really nasty bacteria salmonella or something in there so you identify that and you'll probably just get popped on antibiotics straight away because if it is something really nasty you do just want to be able to kill that off in a sense and then obviously do the repair work but yeah for those real chronic ones yep great awesome or if you've worked with a naturopath or a nutritionist like myself and you've done a parasite um, removal process then it's really good eight weeks once you finish your last um, herbal dose to then go and get a PCR test because it's quite easy and you can just check for blasto mm. again. Like I like it for that. Um, but for really understanding the root causes of what's going on in on your gut, in your gut, um, then I like to use either the GR360 or um, the GR map through Nutripath Lab. So either of those ones. Um, generally, I use the GR360 now because it collects three samples over three days um, and the solutions it uses and stuff, I find the accuracy is better. And also it gives me a few extra markers and things as well, which I can use as a practitioner. It's just offering me more information, um, which is what I'm all about. So this will then tell you the diversity of your good gut flora and then also those pathogenetic bacteria, those overgrown bacteria, those dysbiotic bacteria, those bacteria that are really inflammatory. Um, and it will give you a marker. Like, so when you go to the GP, usually it's a yes or no, like, yes, I have that or no, I don't like say blasto. Yes, no. Whereas this is going to give you a scale of, you know, red, really overgrown all the way down to green, not that sort of grown, overgrown at all. So it'll sort of give you a spectrum, but then you start to see patterns and relationships between the bacteria. So, oh, you've got these two, will they actually link with these ones? And then these ones are going to cause SIBO. So it'll overgrow the large into the small you start to see those relationships but then you also get those markers around your immune response your inflammation your digestive enzymes your leaky gut lining whether it's binding up estrogen okay how's it looking towards your liver so all that stuff and then deeper again it's looking at relationships so if I know someone's trying to fall pregnant in the next couple months I'm looking at it going well actually you've got bacteria in there that are going to give your child ADHD these ones are linking to mental health disorders these ones are linking to you know sort of more inflammatory diseases you've got you know you're more prone to an autoimmune condition because of these bacteria so you're looking at these real large like I said root cause pictures to yeah okay Selene you've got gut issues but but did you also know that your mood disorder is linked to this microbiome mm. diversity as well or your reactions to foods or, you know, you feel like you're really nutrient depleted? Well, that's probably because you're not breaking down and absorbing things or you eat a really high fat protein diet. Okay, you've got a lot of bacteroides or a lot of bacteria that feed off that, which is actually causing a lot of inflammation in your gut and you're not eating enough diverse um, bacteria that feed on lots of fibers as well. So you start to look at that whole picture. And then if someone does um, like a SIBO breath test and basically we need to do a breath test of the small intestine because it's not picking up um, the stools, not, you know, storing that data in a sense. So 
for those who haven't heard of SIBO, basically there's bacteria that can um, overgrow from your large intestine into your small or your ingestum and they stay in your small intestine. You produce hydrogen or methane gas when you eat food and those bacteria break down those food. So when you breathe into a little test tube for a better use of word, um, then you collect that air and they'll test it and go, yes, there's methane, you've got bacteria in there as well. SIBO is really, really damaging and it's really damaging to the microvilli and it's really persistent and it's really hard to get rid of. So it's something that if you've got it, you want to know because you want to be able to treat it because especially for nutrient absorption, it can be a real, real issue. So mm. They're probably the two biggest ones that I do. Yes, there's the hormone testing side of things as well, but for a gut dysbiosis issue, I might don't always need to do SIBO, not always. Mm. Usually I can identify pretty quickly if I think you've got SIBO or not, but large intestine stuff, whether you have gut issues or not, I always recommend it because I work with a lot of women who don't have gut issues, but have dermatitis, psoriasis or eczema. And we're working primarily with gut issues then, because like I said earlier, these proteobacteria are really inflammatory. They stimulate an immune response and that's causing these, um, yeah, these immune or disorders of the skin in a sense. Mm, yeah. I've had plenty of experiences with clients where they have psoriasis or eczema and no overt gut symptoms. Like they're like, oh, my digestion's fine. I go every day. I go to, you know, type three or four on the Bristol stool chart. It's amazing. Don't react to any foods. And then you get the gut test back and you're like, I am mortified at how do you not? I had one client last year who had extraordinarily high H. pylori uh, and obviously really high levels of calprotectin. Um, as a result of that and in treating that the psoriasis actually went away um but yeah never underestimate that kind of I think if in doubt like go and have a look at what's going on in your gut because more often than not and and I know these tests are an investment but it's so there's so much information that comes back from that especially with something like the GI map obviously SIBO you're Mm -hmm. you still get the information that you need but you're you are looking at like to methane, you're looking at the gases basically and not a lot yeah. else. Um, yeah. But really important to identify, I think, if you do have SIBO, that you get that test because otherwise, even if you very clearly have the symptoms and you go in and treat that, then you have really like nothing to refer back to it to know if it's completely yeah. gone or, you know, are the symptoms that you're still experiencing a result of the SIBO not being cleared or is it actually more like a lower GI issue that's also like uh, occurring mm. at the same time? Yeah, because one of the biggest things I learned about SIBO was just that, and I think, and I don't know when this was, it was six, eight months ago when I did um, some extra study and it was really just the root causes of SIBO. Mm. Like I used to, when I first started practising, I went, that is the root cause. Like SIBO is why you've got issues, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's kind of like with the hormonal stuff, it's like, oh, you've got low progesterone, that's why you've got issues. And then you kind of scale it but back why? again. Like, yeah. But why? And then SIBO, like often people see and go, 
this is the answer to all my problems. And I'm like, no, this is just a a, symptom. This is another symptom. symptom. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you have it in the first place? Oh, sure. Maybe you did just pick it up. Like a lot of people do travel and pick up bacteria Mm. stuff, but why has your body not got rid of it? Why is it staying around Mm. for so long? Why? And often like I just did a whole heap of retesting on people this week and lots of it has not shifted nearly as much as we thought it would Mm. because it's so persistent because they've got fungal overgrowth as well Mm. and often CFO goes in hand in hand with CBO and then they've got all the large intestine stuff and I'm like you gotta understand this is gonna take time these bacteria have been there for years like years manifesting you can't just knock them out in a couple weeks yeah definitely I always think that with parasites as well as you know you and I could go and drink the same contaminated water and you know if you have um if your gut has better, um, you know, if you have better, more robust stomach acid than I do, if you have a more robust gut, I might end up with a parasite and you'll be fine. Um, and so again, it's with all of that information, you need to keep going, but why, but why, but why? Yeah. Um, the same thing with nutrient deficiencies, right? Like you can't just look at it like, Oh, someone's got iron deficiency. You should just go and eat some more red beet. Like maybe that's what it is. Right. But maybe (laughs) it's the fact that there's heavy periods and then we go, well, but why? And, you know, maybe it's because they're not pooing every day and it's like, well, but why? Um, So I think that's just such an important point is like continuing to ask that until you ultimately, let's say that whole root cause thing, right? So you're not just treating the symptom. Mm -hmm. Um, But with gut testing, I think as a practitioner, like you just get so much more information and like you just rattled off all the different components and markers that we get from something like a GI map or the GI 360, Mm. which is what you're using now. And it also allows us to then prioritize what the key issues are and how we might step out a treatment protocol, because Mm. we are, especially if there's a lot of issues that come back, like if you have SIBO and there's, you know, dysbiosis going on and maybe there's some low digestive function and then maybe you've also got low diversity of beneficial bacteria that's a lot of Mm. information to try and address in one go and we're probably not going to well I would hope not going to sit there in an appointment with you and kind of go cool we're gonna like action these 20 things in one month no like it's gonna as you said take time and with that information we're able to see okay this is like number one and two priority for the next three months yeah we're gonna work on that and that's gonna affect this and then we're gonna start addressing this and that's sort of like how you step it out over time but without that information you're kind of just um like flying blind yeah, and like like you said at the start, sometimes that's okay. Like yeah. sometimes that's okay to go cool, don't need mm. that extra data, that's fine. And other times you're like, oh, actually um, I need all that information or as much information mm. as possible to actually be able to get someone, you know, the results that they need in a sense. So it's, yeah, definitely varies from person to person. Yeah, for sure. Um, and something I just wanted to ask you is like, do you, I don't know that you work with children, but you can obviously do this sort of testing in kids as well. Can't you? Yeah, you can. Um, I don't do it with children, but you definitely can do it. And there's different tests that, you know, people use on children because sometimes I don't, without being weird about it, but sometimes people don't want to spend that amount of money on their child's poo when it could be something quite simple in a sense so they'll do something that's around two three hundred dollars as opposed to five hundred dollars like a cdsa to sort of get 
sort of yeah. test. Yeah, yeah, to get yeah. some of those because often it'll just be not just, but often you kind of working with parasites or bacteria yeah. in children. Like sometimes some of those other markers, even though they're important, I just find usually there's a couple things in a family. Like a mum will come to me with say three kids, and mm. to outlay five hundred dollars per child on a stool test is mm. and plus herself and her partner is a couple grand right there, mm. as opposed to going okay. Let's do more than a PCR test, but not to the highest, you know, extent in a sense. So it does, it is helpful, but I always recommend someone works with a naturopath who works solely with children just because the doses in children, you really need to be careful with, like like in pregnancy, like anything, because it's just not the same as the adult at all. No. Yeah, and I guess that's just a segue point to mention, like if you have parasites or things like that, it's likely that, you know, the rest of the family is also affected as well. So that's an interesting point to mention as well. (laughs) Yep, they move around a lot. So especially partners, yes, yes, exactly. Love that for us. Um, (laughs) Beautiful. Was there anything else that you wanted to add to that um, conversation on testing? I think that's I think that's the main things. Um, just being, yeah, just for people being aware of what is out there and just that there are those varying degrees of testing. And like you said, it is an investment and that your GP is probably not going to get you the answers that you need. If you're in a chronic state like diarrhea or something, then yes, go get a PCR test, go get an answer straight up. But otherwise, I always tell people, yeah, um, you know, invest in someone who does the still testing like myself or like you or whoever who mm. runs it and goes, okay, what, you know, what can we actually find that's going to give us a whole sort of holistic picture as opposed to just there's this parasite because you want to know why. Sure, you might have picked it up in rainwater, but what damage has it done while it's been in your gut? And if you have taken antibiotics for it, what does that mean for the, you know, how robust is your microbiome? Have you killed off any of those good bacteria as well? So just that awareness. Yeah, and the last thing I just thought I wanted to mention as well was around like colonoscopies and endoscopies because that's Mm. also another common thing I think I hear is like, well, I did that and it came back fine. Um, all of this sort of th- stuff that we're talking about isn't going to be picked up in that kind of testing. Yeah. Equally, sometimes I will say to my client, I actually want you to go and have an endoscopy or a colonoscopy um, through your GP just to make sure that there is nothing, say, structural or something larger than just a, um, not just, but like larger or more serious, sinister, um, than say a bacterial overgrowth or impaired digestive function. And that is something that, you know, I will recommend people go away and do just because I think, um, what you want is for it to come back clear and for there to be no issues, but it actually is really important in some instances to get that clearance. Yeah. Especially if you've got family history of colon cancer, you're showing blood in the stools, which I see a lot and you have um, a couple of those bacteroides um, that are linked to colon cancer, then yeah, for sure go straight away. I'm always like, yes, please go see your GP and just rule that yes. out. Um, we don't and want it's that the same <laughs> consistent heavy periods. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Things like ovarian cancer and stuff as well. Like it's always, always get like a second opinion. Like yes. same with, you know, it's same when you go see a GP, always ask 
someone else from a different field and just get a couple of opinions for you always make that final decision. Yeah. And I think it's, it's good. You know, you don't have to choose like the quote unquote natural route, like just because you're working with a nutritionist or a naturopath doesn't mean you can't also incorporate a GP or a gastroenterologist or someone else in your care. Um, and even if they can't or didn't provide you with any answers, it's still really important mm. that you, um, have ruled out those more serious things. So, yeah, I think that's also important to mention that um, if you got no answers from it, like obviously there's much more information we get from this type of testing, but equally, even if you have done this type of testing, it's still important to rule out um, those things with internal examinations as well. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, Sheridan, I've loved um, talking to you as always. Um, I'd love if you could share with the listeners where they can find out more about you, your programs, um, and also get in touch with you for all things gut, gut testing and gut healing. Uh, the best place is my Instagram. I do live on there. So Sheridan yeah. underscore functional nutrition. Um, I'm very easy and accessible through my DMs. So just click me a message anytime. If you want to know more about some of that FODMAP stuff, just head to um, Empowered Hormones podcast. So just search my name, Sheridan Decker, and I've got a couple earlier ones on FODMAPs, but do that and grab the Monash University app if you're having issues um, with your gut and just kind of want to play around with things and start tracking stuff in a really easy way that's always my recommendation do that upskill yourself in that area a bit um but otherwise you can jump to my website so sherrindecker.com have a look at the root cause program if you're like yes want to jump in and do some stool testing um because i've tried all the things i'm doing all the things i'm not getting anywhere either so that yeah the best place there really is instagram on on my dms because i love having to chat amazing and i know you've got a facebook group as well don't you? Yeah, Gut Health Solutions. So that's got a nice group of women in there just sharing, caring, and I jump on each week and just do a call about different things across the week depending on what's going on. Um, so, yeah, that's a nice place to hang out as well. Amazing. Love it. Well, I'll put all of those links in the show notes um, and definitely reach out to Sheridan if this episode resonated with you. And thanks again for your time, Sheridan. Thank you, Selene. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Holistic Health Chats. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a rating and review in iTunes, as this allows me to help more women just like you. Holistic Health Chats is not intended to replace medical advice, so please consult with your practitioner before making any changes to your current health. If you are ready to take your health to the next level and would like some personalized support, the next step is booking in for a complimentary health chat. Please head to selendouglas.com forward slash book for more information.